Hey guys, welcome back to the brand new Your Marriage Story podcast. We're so excited to have you guys here. Yeah. This it's is fun Chris. To... Oh, wow. Oh, I'm, this is Justine. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. It is fun to what? Um, call it by its new name. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who didn't catch last week or the different artwork and the different name, we have a new name that's your marriage story and a whole new website that you made that's amazing thanks Thanks. more than just a name change it's like a whole thing yeah you guys can't see the whole website because we haven't launched all of it yet but (laughs) you can go to yourmarriagestory.com and see part of it um if you didn't listen to last week we did share what the story is behind your marriage story uh why it's called that what it means what we're going to be doing moving forward um So yeah, go back and listen to that if you hadn't had a chance. But today, we're going to talk about um, this pandemic and how to use it to bring your marriage closer together and to make it stronger. I have to say, I kind of struggled with the idea of doing a podcast on the coronavirus because I feel like everywhere you look, it's just stuff about the coronavirus. Yeah. As I was saying it, I was like, Oh, I can't believe I'm calling it this. <laughs> but I also feel like that's just what's on everyone's minds right now. Like we're told to stay at home and some people aren't working. Some people are, but they're working from home. Some people are like getting thrown into homeschooling or like it's just a whole new way of life for so many people. So I think it is just top of mind for everybody. So that's why so many people are talking about it. But I did struggle because it's like, oh, like there are definitely days where I'm like, I don't want to hear any more about this. Like I'm I know you give me the eye rolls different. all the time. <laughs> yeah, I will like, come see... out and tell me like all these things and I'm like I just don't want to hear it right now it's a news article or social media post or (laughs) another random conspiracy theory that's out there there's a lot of them right now and I'll just be like oh my gosh look at this and she's like ah (laughs) yeah don't talk to me about that she doesn't say that but she just turns her back and walks away (laughs) well there are times where I'm like I just don't want to hear about it right now yeah but, Which I think is important to talk through with your spouse when you're yeah, going through something like like just being honest of like uh well we I don't wanna like I just need a break from all of it right now or yeah. Yeah, we process differently. Yeah. And like I grew up in a home where you know, the news channel was on twenty four seven and it's like consume all the news, good, bad, the ugly, and then like everything that comes about from watching a lot of news and like the cynicism and the things like that, that's just kind of like my family of origin. So it's kind of hard for me to break away from the constant like desire to consume the next headline or the, you know, all the stuff. So it was a really big struggle for probably a month. Um, Cause we were, I mean, not to like, toot our own horns because we had some really helpful people illuminating things to us but um you know like we were way ahead of the curve on this like we were like when it was hitting china yeah when it was still early in china we were like panicked 
in our home struggling to really like let go of some of these anxious and fearful thoughts. And like we were prepping and we were ready. Um, but like we started our like processing process like way earlier than most people. Yeah. Um, and so we're kind of on the other side of that now, um, really actually enjoying. And that's what this podcast really is about is like, how, how does this bless your marriage? Like you're going to be home together all the time right now. Like, how do you make the most of it? And my first, like my first sense as someone who is really an advocate for family and understanding the importance of like discipleship of your kids and like your family being your first priority, your first ministry, not your only, that's not an out to ignore the local church, but, um, they are, and do a little self-assessment here. Like, I think if this is a really brutal adjustment, like transitioning to working from home or, Maybe you lost some hours at work or maybe even you lost your job. And uh, if you were to take those components kind of out of the mix, like your kids or your wife or your husband or whatever are still driving you crazy and it's really, really hard to adjust to just life in the home together, like take all the other negative stuff out of it. If that's a really hard adjustment, I think that's a symptom of like an underlying issue kind of with the way society looks at the family and and builds on this idea of family and it's so individualistic it's so self-focused and so like when we collide with it it's really hard and some of you guys are doing a really incredible job and thriving and some of you maybe are having a harder time and so what an awesome opportunity now that you're forced home with your family or your wife or your husband uh, to really dig in to like roll up your sleeves and get to work, you know, like what better time to, to process and deal with it. Yeah. When I love like what we heard recently about how like God created a man and wife to like work together, um, and like complement each other in that way. And, um, I think this kind of forces our hand at that that for a long time we've been like, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. You know, we'll come together in the evenings or whatever for dinner and whatnot. But yeah, otherwise, like, we're going to be doing our own things, which if we look back at Genesis, like in the garden, which is God's, like, I, how God created things to be before sin came and everything, if we look back to that, it's like God, God saw that Adam needed a helper. And so he created Eve to be Adam's helper. Yeah. And that was in what he was doing for his work, which was, um, working the land basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, God gave Adam a job and then took a second look at him and said, well, this isn't good. Like (laughs) I gave him something to fulfill and basically said like, it's not good. The first thing he ever said that wasn't good was working alone. Mm -hmm. And the same word helper 
um, in the Hebrew, there's the same word that is used for God himself helping the Hebrew people, um, like all through the old Testament, I think like 16 other times. And so like what God is actually saying is like, this woman is going to be like a rescuer within your work to complement where you are deficient to ensure that you are like safe, that you're good, that you'll be successful. And so for us in our house, like um, God has made me a man and made Justine a woman and obviously. And so <laughs> like I have been um, given the weight and the responsibility of leading our home, but um, the way we kind of see it and I, I love the way some of our mentors said this in their recent podcast, and it actually made me think of um, a a friend of mine uh, who lives out in Oklahoma named Caleb. And if he's listening, he's going to love this. In their house, he says that he's the CEO and his wife is the whole board of directors. <laughs> and it's like she's behind the scenes and she's not doing a ton of like the uh, front end stuff. But she is an incredibly valuable group uh, that helps make guiding decisions. Like you wouldn't um, survive without your... Yeah, a CEO that makes decisions without a group or a council yeah. is probably going to end up making a lot of mistakes. And so that's kind of how our house is. Like I'm, I'm responsible for like those things, but like I would never venture into it without Justine. And if you think about like before the industrial revolution, like it was an agrarian society and normal life was what we're experiencing during the pandemic. It was like, yeah, that's you true. got up early and your kids were there and you know, you went out to the fields or you were a blacksmith or you did whatever else it was that you did. And the kids were part of it. And most of the time kids that are older than five would go out into the field or go into work with the with the dad and kids under that age would be with the mom and so it's just a totally different world like dads who are adjusting to working at home and don't have to think about parenting but for two hours a day like it's a hard adjustment and it was for me for a long time um, before my last job when I was working from home for two years because like even though I was working in, in an office, I'm hearing the screams and I'm hearing the challenges <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I'm, I'm processing it with and understanding what it's like for a mom at home. And so, um, what an incredible time to kind of like face the reality of like, maybe God created us to do more together. And maybe that's start a business. Maybe that's, you know, uh, dive into a ministry of some kind or serve your local church or connect with your neighbors. But like, be on mission or even just together. like like how do we as come together as a team to um parent our children and discipline our children and train mm-hmm. our children um cuz i think a lot of times that ends up just kind of falling on the mom because the mom if the mom is staying at home with the kiddos um then it just kind of ultimately falls on her shoulders more so where now like what a perfect opportunity as a dad if you're home to like partner with your wife of like okay how can we do this together 
what are ways that I can be um, thinking about training my kids and um, doing it together as a team rather than like, you take care of the kids, I'll take care of the finances kind of thing, which I think yeah. happens sometimes. And if you're actually working your job from home, like obviously there's limitations, like totally. you're, you're still working, you're behind a computer, you're, you know, making phone calls, whatever it is that you do. Um, but yeah, I mean, with that in mind, like what's your, I guess, favorite example of how we do that? Um, like training the kids together. Yeah. Like what, what's your favorite way that we like carry out this like co, um, directive with our parenting or our like mission centric home, um, I'm putting her on the spot, guys. (laughs) I think it looks different daily, but I also think that there are certain things that, like when you get off work, you take a very active role in um, hanging out with the kiddos, in making sure that they're taking responsibility for the messes that they've made throughout the day and getting those picked up. It's like going zero to 60. (laughs) Um. But also just like wrestling with them or, you know, getting out that energy that especially boys need to get out with their dad, um, I think is huge. And then uh, like we're always just talking things through together and um, making decisions together. We're not, um, I guess, putting one person as like the... Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like the one that has to make all the decisions, but like we're, we do that together as a team. Does that make sense? Am I saying yeah. that right? <laughs> I think so. Um, so guys, she is four weeks from delivery. So she's got a little pregnancy brain Yes, and I'm like, I'm like fighting some kind of bug and just exhausted. So we're a little bit delirious as we're trying to like communicate our thoughts and feelings today. So hopefully this comes across good. Um, but even just like little training things at the table, like we make a point to have Solomon next to you so that he is learning from you about what is okay and what is not okay for table manners. Little uh, miniature corrections. <laughs> yeah. We call them. Um, But just like you're really good about taking on responsibility of um, like training the kids whenever you have an opportunity to. So that it's not like me all day and then me all night too, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, I think one of the things that's important too is like we are used to being home together a ton because we did that for years. But like I do remember early on there was like the tension of being around all the time like that we and we were new into kind of the perspective. This is what three years ago of like thinking about family in a different light. So I can relate to a lot of people that are probably experiencing some of that now. And it's like, um, I would say just like press into that, whether it's 
talking about like what we are like sharing these responsibilities or maybe maybe you don't have kids and maybe like your spouse is just kind of like doing some things that irritate you and it like wasn't until you were around 24 7 that it's like now a reality it's like don't escape from those things it's so easy to just like oh to like look back on this pandemic time and realize all you did was binge a new Netflix series. And like, that's on your list of accomplishments (laughs) because you're escaping, like dealing with things head on. And so just don't, don't do that. We watch Netflix. So like, we're not saying don't, we're just saying like, don't, don't escape really like press in. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think a couple of things recognize that your spouse is not you and that that's actually like a really good thing and a blessing. And so while they're, they might do things that you wouldn't do or that you would do differently, like that's okay. And that's good and healthy to be different. (laughs) Yes. And another thing that just came to mind is like assuming the best of your spouse Um, I feel like that's where I get in the most trouble as far as like feeling frustrated or whatnot with you is like, if I'm assuming you're assuming the best of me is when, like, if I assume that your motives are bad or that you like, Mm. you're doing something purposefully to whatever, then it makes me just like get really frustrated where if I just think like assume the best oh he probably has a lot of things on his mind and so you know this didn't Mm -hmm. get done or that just got left here or there or whatnot because he's there's a lot of different things going on and like maybe just another gentle reminder or I just take care of it this one time and just like mention it later of like hey babe like this happened but I'd appreciate it if it happened a different way or what, whatever it is, just assuming the best of them rather than always going to, oh, well, they're trying to do this or they're yeah, it's like not trying to do that or whatnot. Bob Goff, like, what's the least possible creepy explanation or the least creepy possible explanation for like what I'm seeing? I don't... I don't remember exactly how he says it, but like, he's like, what's the, what's the, um, you know, if he sees something, he calls it creepy, but, um, when he means creepy, he just means like people doing stuff that's wrong. And he's like, what's well, the, it's probably pertinent to whatever story he was saying. No, he uses right? it a lot. Oh yeah. It's okay. like one of his sayings, but it's like, <laughs> he's always like looking to like, to default to the least creepy thing that could possibly be an explanation for what he's seeing. And he just believes the best of people. That's how he ended up in like, uh, I think it was like Africa. And he's like taking a picture with a, um, Oh yeah. Like a army of like a warlord with like an AK that's like (laughs) out to kill him. And he's taking a selfie with him. Like, you know, this gray haired dude, you know, in the middle of Africa. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, expect the best. Um, the other thing I would say is like, this is a perfect time to build rhythms because we like need them. We don't have any regularity, yeah. at least the way that we normally do. Um, you know, your 
church community, your relationships with friends and family that you normally have like meals together, whatever it is that you're doing, um, you know, your trips to the grocery store, like all of the rhythms that you would normally have, whether they're written down or not, that you just kind of like kept a schedule. You know, there's all the memes going around of people saying like, I don't really know what day of the week it is. You yeah. Know? And it's like, <laughs> there's a lot of reality. Like if totally. you're responsible now to build a rhythm and what a perfect time to decide like, wow, I've got a clean slate. Like what, what should we be doing with our time? Yeah. And I don't well, that's you... what I like too, is like you get to decide that Yeah. right now. There's no one else telling you any kind of schedule. Like you get to decide what's important to you and your family and your marriage and what isn't. And then you make those a rhythm in your home and a priority in your home. Well, but... and you're responsible. Like now that no one, there is no excuse now. Like, there's no external, I mean, and we say none. These are broad stroking statements, right? So, like, there's people working normal hours. Like, yeah. there's, you know, I'm still working a fully normal job. But uh, largely speaking, there's a drastic shift in how many outside pressures there are on your schedule. Yeah. And now you have this, like, relatively clean slate. And it's like, you don't have an excuse if those things that you always want to do that you don't have time for are not getting done because yeah. it's like this is now <laughs> like all the way up to you. If you're failing, it's because you're making poor choices to to not lean into something, right? One of the things I wrote down today was character in the drought is what people remember in the harvest. So like what are you choosing to spend this time stuck at home doing? Are you, are you being intentional? Are you like growing personally and your faith with your family, with your spouse, whatever? Are you hopeful? Are you faith filled? Are you being creative or are you just defaulting to spending time that you'll never get back? Yeah. And so I think the hard part too, is when you, when you're not intentional with your time, like you end up thinking about all the wrong things because you just like your brain goes down rabbit trails like you've got this totally like, idle like thoughts and so for me for those like really challenging several weeks like I was struggling with like wanting to be in control and wanting to make sure I and Justine and our kids stayed healthy and I was like doing everything and I still am doing everything in my power to to do that but like I ha had put my hope in like staying healthy rather than putting my hope in what God's promises are. And the reality of what we see in scripture is that God did not promise us health and safety. He doesn't promise that to Jesus followers. He doesn't promise us to save us from a pandemic. He actually promised trials and tribulations and promised that Jesus followers would have suffering. And that's why he asks us all to count the costs of following him. Yeah. And, and he even turned people away and told them to go back home. Yeah. Jesus was the ultimate of like a high bar of following him. Like you better be prepared to and, and count the costs. And so what I've been forced to, and, and it wasn't until last night we were talking about this with some other folks that like that it it kind of like put words to what I've been 
processing through for the last, you know, six weeks is like my hope is in things that are not the eternal promises of God, which is the grace to be given to us in Jesus Christ. First Peter one thirteen says, put your minds or excuse me, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled and set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. So like we're supposed to put the fullness of our hope, like all that we can of our hope should be laid on the grace that we're going to be given in the future when Jesus Christ is revealed. So it's like we're supposed to be settling in on the promises of God and future eternity with him. Not Our hope should not be in anything that's here. And anything that's here is just going to let us down. And even if we're like wrapping it in Jesus language or we're like, you know, expecting God to do these big things, we should be considerate of like and thinking that God is a redeemer, that God is a healer. Those are true things, but those are not promises to each and every individual that like he's going to do all of those things all the time when we ask. And you're setting yourself up to like be really frustrated. Yeah. When when I think one like practical way of doing this and a lot of different yeah, people really have kind of posted um, different thoughts around this, but it's so practical, but so helpful of just putting your phone away for a 24 hour period or even just hopping off social media for a 24 hour period so that you're not constantly inundated with all these different things that then allow your mind to start going in different rabbit holes and directions of what ifs and all these possible worst case scenarios. Um, Which I am terrible at. Like if you just turn off all of the noise coming in and allow yourself 24 hours to just focus on Jesus and focus on um, your family, your marriage, just having quiet space, it makes such a huge difference for being able to put your hope in that future with Jesus and not putting your hope in not getting the coronavirus. Well, yeah, because Paul tells us basically that there's a there's more or less there's a war for our for control of our mind, you know, like you have thoughts and you have these things and these experiences and these visions and things being put in front of you all day long by culture and society. And they're counter to the gospel. They're counter to what God really says in his word. And so like we have to put down which I'm terrible at, put down the visuals, put down the other words and the other narratives and the other stories and the other language that's being inserted into your thought life all day long and replace that with like something from the Lord. And you can only hear his voice clearly and you can only like uh, grasp hold of a more um, thoughtful and intentional message of hope when 
you are removing those other those other things and so take it from us justine does this really good i do this really poorly and the difference is is i over the last several months have struggled more than she has with fear and anxiety and so if that's not any indication of how we should be thinking about what we do with our time then well, and I, I find too, is. like it makes the news less important in my mind when I disconnect for 24 hours from all of it, then it's like you really get a perspective of yeah, this isn't, this isn't the whole story. The whole story is that we're going to be going to be with Jesus, whether it's because we got the coronavirus or because we got old and passed away, like the story is spending eternity with Jesus. And then I find myself like not in a hurry to get back on and figure out what's been happening in the last 24 hours. And like, oh, you know what? This might have happened or that might have happened. But like, I'm enjoying just not being connected to all of it. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. I think, yeah. Was there something you were going to say? I did. Yeah. I I think I'll end on this, you guys. Um, and I know this isn't directly marriage related. Um, but I think this is really important just kind of as we process because if you're consumed by the events that are happening in the world. Um, oh, and I, that was what I was going to say, I think is like, ultimately, like as you step back from the news and all, like all this stuff doesn't, I mean, it does matter, but it also doesn't matter, which is such a weird dichotomy, right? Like it matters because, um, people matter and are and we weren't designed for death god actually created adam and eve to like live eternally which is why he had to cut them off from um the tree of life after they uh ate the the other forbidden fruit because he didn't want them to live forever now that they that they they knew good and evil so like we're not designed to die and so there is this like tragedy with that there is this tragedy with sickness and there is this like we do want to be responsible and make good decisions but at the end of the day all of that pales in comparison and all of that is just if if we're so hung up on those things that we can't put them down for a couple days like our hope is clearly in things that are not the eternal and i'm guilty of that but but if i like can't bring myself to just say okay, like whatever happens, happens. Jesus is Lord and I'm not promised any of this anyways, you know? So how would um, you, sorry, was there more you were going to say? So how would you, what would you suggest for somebody to like encourage their spouse to, since you're saying you're the one that kind of struggles with this more, like what would be a good encouragement to like hey 
let's maybe set that down for 24 hours or let's maybe disconnect. What would be a good way for if a spouse sees that their spouse is struggling and is always checking on things and they feel like, you know what, it would be really good for our family and our marriage and for my spouse in particular, if they just put their phone away or just disconnected from the news outlets or social media or however they're getting their yeah. their stuff like what how would how would they approach their spouse in a way that would be well received um and that would help their marriage well i think ultimately if your spouse struggles with this the way that i do if you can get them to struggle less it it actually helps you too right like because it like if your spouse isn't always anxious and fearful, that makes your world better also. Totally. So I think it's fair to tell your spouse like, hey, can we do this? I feel like I really need it. Um, Like I just need us to disconnect for a few days. Like this just hasn't felt healthy for me. And, you know, I'm struggling with just the dynamics here and I just want to step away. Yeah. I think that's the best. That's good. Um, and probably pray before. <laughs> Just yeah. that it's well received. And, and if you're the I spouse like... that's always like me, staring down the tunnel of news, like, you know, don't be offended when they ask you to put it down. Like, it's for your good. Well, and I and... think another thing, which this is, is um, just in general, bringing up things that could potentially be received um, or, or like just hard to receive, yeah. not receive poorly, but just like hard for them to receive it, uh, is to be very sensitive about the timing that you bring up the topic. If you're already frustrated about something and then you go off about, well, you're just always on your phone and you're, um, making it just feel really heavy in our home or, you know, like start pointing fingers or uh, making accusations or like it needs to be when you are in a place of, hey, babe, I just want to talk about this. This is kind of what I've been feeling. Um, Do you think it would be possible if we could? And when your heart is open, to if they're like, you know what, I just can't do that right now. Because there is the possibility that they might say that. And you just have to trust God and say, okay. Um, you mean if like I'd the love... spouse says, I can't stop looking at news? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you can just say, I'd love for you to like pray about it and think about it and reconsider. Um, and then you can just be praying for them too. But definitely don't bring it up when... If you're in the middle of a heated discussion already, or if you are feeling frustrated or just depleted emotionally for one reason or another, like it needs to be when you're in a healthy place and you can receive whatever their response is, whether it's, you know what, you're right, let's do that. Or whether it's, no, I need to keep checking the news. Yeah. And ultimately the best thing you can do is just pray for your spouse. Yeah. Because like the Holy Spirit moving and 
encouraging and convicting me is a lot more powerful than you are. Totally. And it's just, yeah. So just pray, be prepared. Well, and um, it's more lasting too. Yeah. If you are like, the Lord is convicting me to do this rather than like, well, my wife wants me to do this. Or, and not that you like don't honor what I ask or anything like that or. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Well, let's finish with this. This was an encouraging note. I read earlier this week or I actually last week and a lot of people have posted this, but I thought that it would be good to read because I think it's such a healthy perspective and we've been hearing a lot from CS Lewis lately. Um, but this, uh, well he's dead. We've been seeing a lot of his (laughs) (laughs) quotes lately. Um, but I think this is a good one. So he lived in like this atomic war, like the, like this, threat of atomic bombs and all this and so what he did was address the atomic bomb and i think it's so so relevant to what we're processing through with the coronavirus and so gospel coalition did a little write-up on this and they basically encouraged us to replace uh, atomic bomb in his writings with coronavirus so when you hear me say atomic bomb just think coronavirus so this is c.s lewis In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed, as you already are living in this age of cancer, in the age of syphilis, in the age of paralysis, in the age of air raids, in the age of railway accidents, in the age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or ma'am, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors uh, and aesthetics. But we have that still, and it's perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have told us one more chance of a painful and premature death to a world which already bristles with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible in human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over, over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. And I just thought that was such a healthy reminder that like, you know, even if a hundred thousand people die in the United States from coronavirus this year, that's a tragic loss. But if I'm so crass or bold as to say like we kill many 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 more babies that are still in the womb 
And more people than that die in car wrecks. And more people than that die from uh, self-induced diabetes and cancer and all these other things that plague us. The coronavirus is severe. It's a big deal. And we should be processing through it and working out ways to be um, healthier and to be more mindful and to stop the spread and all of those things. But like this is not new and death itself is not a chance, but a certainty. And we will die at some point, either painfully or non-painfully, either tomorrow or in 60 years from now. But it's a certainty. And so that shouldn't stop us from praying and teaching and reading and spending time with friends right now over Zoom. And yeah. don't be like the lady who went poop oh during gosh. her team meeting at work <laughs> over Zoom and forgot to turn the, the thing off. You know, like uh, I digress. But like, let's be people that are stirred by hope of eternity and are filled with faith. Um, and that this doesn't stop us from doing the things that God gave us to bring life. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. That's it for us tonight. And, uh, we're going to let you guys go and we'll circle back, um, next week. I'm not sure if next week we have our first couple on the show, um, or if that's the week after, um, but we'll keep you posted and we're really excited to introduce you guys to some of these new marriage stories from our uh, favorite people in the world. So stay tuned and adios. Adios.